Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Let's pray together, church. Father, we come this morning to worship you. We desire to do that the best we can in spirit and in truth. Take control of every heart, every mind. Take control of this service now, we pray. Do something rich and real, long-lasting in our hearts. May this service have a, may it have a residual effect upon us today. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. Join me, if you would, in the book of James this morning, chapter number one. I want to speak to us just for a couple of minutes on the subject, understanding your temptation. Did you, did you see the your there? Understanding your temptation, not just our te- or the temptation or temptation, but your temptation. And I want you to say something with me. Are you ready? Everybody comfortable? Uh, Tyler, did you leave the building? Where's Tyler at? Where, where, where's he at? He left the building? He's gone already? Uh, Will, do you know how to operate the air conditioning? No? All right. So, less to you? All right, because I can talk and do two things at the same. Chuck, can you? All right, good. Just, just a little bit, Chuck. Put it at 55. Just a little bit. I don't want it to get too stuffy in here, because if it gets stuffy, it'll be uncomfortable, you know. And the longer you sit there and the more I talk, a lot of hot air comes out. Right, Andrew? Hot air comes out. And so, now I want you to say this with me. You ready? Everybody ready? I want you to say this. I can't wait to say this. Say it. Oh, that's not really convincing. I want you to say this. The devil did not make me do it. it. Now, I want you to say that a little bit more attitude. You ready? The devil did not make me do it. You're not really convincing me right now. The devil did not make me do it. (laughs) Good for you. You're excited now. As much as we'd like to believe that the devil or anybody else, somebody else, made me do it, that's not, this is not true. Fact is, we succumb because of our weaknesses. Say that with me. I succumb because of my weaknesses. We're talking about temptation, right? So I want you to say, I succumb to temptation. Because of my weaknesses. The devil doesn't make me do it. And pastor, you certainly have nothing to do with it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Just want to get that, want to get that straight. Yeah. Amen? Temptation. Uh, it's real, isn't it? Look, look, look at our text here in James chapter number one. Let's, let's read verses 13 through 16. Look, look what James says. He said, let no man say when he is tempted... I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. 
I want you to read verse 14 with me, nice and loud. You ready? But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now, hang on to that for a second. It says, then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. Everybody, verse 16, you ready? Do not err, my beloved brethren. That's powerful, isn't it? Huh. Now, we're going to take a look at that this morning, but before we do, uh, because we're making a turn here, James is making a turn, let's just go back for a moment and kind of rehash what we've spoke about over the last several weeks. We hear, here's what we've learned. We've come to learn this thus far. We've been encouraged in our study to trust what we believe. Isn't that right? Uh, stay with me, guys. There you go. Trust what you believe. And, and basically what James is saying is this, you know, look at, look at the text again, verse number uh, three, knowing this. So he's assuming the implication is that we, we know something. And what we need to do, we must learn to trust what we believe. And what the Lord tries to do is bring mm, situations, circumstances, things into our lives, even trials into our lives to help our faith grow so that we can trust what we believe. Because what we believe is grounded, centered in the Word of God. We don't, we don't have a blind faith. Isn't that right? Uh, when you talk about faith, faith is simply this. At the core, faith is you and I taking God at His Word. Faith is you and I obeying God's Word. That's faith. And so, uh, James is trying to indicate in this study here, in, in this letter here, he's speaking to folk who are really going through a time and encouraging them to just trust what you believe. Not only that, we said this, he's encouraging us to seek God's perspective. Isn't that right? When you look at trials and troubles and difficulties, and what he's trying to encourage us to do is to rise above and see things through God's eyes. And here's what we said, Dave. We said if we can do that, it'll change everything. If we can just get God's perspective on things, it'll change everything. It'll give us a better understanding. And, and then James encouraged us to remember this, eliminate, uh, eliminate hesitation when following God, right? Eliminate hesitation. He said in James chapter number one, verse number six, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. You remember that study? Nothing wavering. And we had said this, it's not so much that we're doubting God, it's just that we're hesitating, we're hesitating in trusting God. So James encourages us to eliminate hesitation in following God. And then we said this, James talks to us about recognizing the fact that the playing field is level in God's economy. Right? He talks about, we studied this out a couple weeks ago in verse number 9, let the brother of low degree, verse 10, but the rich, and then for everybody. So rich or poor, young or old, whether you got it or you don't, right? The, in God's economy, the, the playing field is level. The le, you know, we, we often said this, the ground at the cross is level ground. Isn't that right? And so there's nobody better than anyone else. We're all the same in the body of Christ, Correct? And then James said this, he said, endure, endure. Look at, look at uh, the text again in verse number 
In verse number uh, 12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. And we had said this, endurance is kind of, it's kind of like God's stamp of approval upon our lives. It, it, it authenticates our faith, endure, right? But now James turns the corner because in verse 13, he says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Flip it. You gotta, you, you, these guys are with me now. I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. And so do you see, you see the turn in the narrative? Did you see it? Say yes. I say it. He goes from trials, you know, trials and troubles and difficulties and negative circumstances, and we all have that in life. No, one, no one's immune, correct? Now he's talking about temptation. And it's not the same. Uh, listen carefully. A trial, a trial serves as a tool, maybe sometimes sent by God or allowed to come into our life by God to build our faith. Temptation, on the other hand, is, is, is something that comes, it's an obstacle that works to derail your faith. Did you get that? And so a trial may be sent by God, certainly permitted by God, if you're going through it, has a purpose. And it's there to help you and I, it's there to help our faith to grow. Because it's all about growing. But a, a, a temptation, on the other hand, comes our way as an obstacle, and it's there to derail your faith. And, and that's, I think, what James is speaking about in this text of Scripture. Uh, listen carefully. He tries to connect temptation and opportunity, and when the two come together, there could be trouble. There could be trouble. Someone said this. I like this. I, I, it could be me. I can resist anything except temptation. Huh? Did you ever feel that way? So let's define, let's define, simple definition, let's define temptation before we go on. And it's simply this, flip it, guys. It's a solicitation to do wrong. Temptation. That's what we're talking about here, right? We're not talking about a trial. We are speaking about a solicitation to do wrong or to do what God has forbidden. And when you think about it, if you read your Bible, you know this. One of the very first experiences in the book of Genesis with the first couple was temptation, correct? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, a Garden of, uh, of Eden, what, what, they're, they're solicit, there's a solicitation. And they're solicited to do what God forbade. And what happened? They did it. They fell to the temptation, and the end result was was sin, right? So I want to walk us through that this morning, and let me just give you a disclaimer. This message will end tonight. Not that we're going to go from this morning till tonight, but I'm going to do a second part tonight. I just don't have enough time to get it all in this morning and do a thorough job. So tonight, I'm going to give you four principles on how to overcome temptation. So guess what? You got to come back tonight. You say, Pastor, I don't want to leave. Don't leave. Stay. We'll have lunch together. We'll fellowship throughout the afternoon. Amen. Uh, but, but look what happens here. Now, pay, pay good attention to the, to the way this breaks down. James gives us a summary of temptation in the first couple of verses, and then he walks us through this progression. And I have with me this morning, I have with me this morning a preaching team. So you're not just getting me this morning, you're getting my team. Some of the most handsome, ornery, 
young men in our church. And I, I was standing over there singing with them, and I tell you what, they were singing. We could have took the place of the worship team. Where's Aaron at? Next week, we're up. They were just singing out with their hearts. It's wonderful to have young people that love God. So they're going to help me illustrate what James has to say here in just a moment, okay? Fair enough? But look at the summation as, uh, as James kind of goes through it. Verse 13, he speaks about the certainty of temptation. Look at it again. Let's break it down. Let no man say when. See that word when? He didn't say if. He said when. You know what that is? That's a guarantee, right? That's certainty. Let no man say when he is tempted, right? Certainty. I want you to say this with me. I want you to say, I will be tempted. I, will be tempted. I, have, been tempted. I have been tempted. I'm being tempted right now. <laughs> Temptation. It's a certainty. And then he said this, look, look, look at verse 13, uh, verse 14, uh, verse 13 again. He said, uh, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Verse 14, but every man is tempted. So not only is it a certainty, but it's a certainty for who? For every one of us. Every man will be tempted. Did you ever read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13? Just in case you've never read it, I want to throw it up on the screen. Go ahead, guys. Look at this Bible verse with me. It says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is, say it, class, common to man. What does that common to man mean? It means this. It means everybody goes through temptation. Now, it may not be the same temptation, right? I mean, what, what, what rings your bell, what gets your attention what might derail you may not be the same for me. Isn't that right? However, it's common that every single individual uh, on this planet will be tempted. No matter how young or how old, no matter how long you've been saved, it matters not. I've been saved since 1979. That's a long time. How many years is that? Long time. <laughs> I lose count sometimes. I've been saved a long time. And guess what? Donald, guess what? Even though I've been in the ministry for 38 years, pastoring for 35, I still get tempted. Huh? Now, I don't get tempted the way I used to get tempted. Huh? I'm going to tell you something right now. There's a cheesesteak out there with my name on it. You know, and every once in a while, there's meatballs dancing around in my head. And, and so I get tempted all the time. So every man, it's a certainty, every man will get tempted because it's a common phenomenon. It will happen. However, we need to understand this. We need to understand where the temptation comes from. And look at it again, if you would. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am what? Tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with e evil, neither will he tempt any man. So temptation, the solicitation to do wrong, never comes from God. God will never put something in your path that's evil to test whether or, whether or not you got victory over it. It doesn't work that way. No, but there is a tempter. And God may permit that tempter to come your way, and present you with Matthew chapter number four. Don't turn there. But in Matthew chapter number four, there's, a, there's just a great story. Did you ever read it? Let me remind you. It's the temptation of Jesus. 
And the Bible says in verse number three, the Bible calls the devil in verse number three, the tempter. The tempter came. He came to Jesus when he was physically weak. Do you remember? He had fasted for how many days? Forty. And nights? And so I'm sure he was a little bit hungry because in the flesh, in the flesh, he, he was a man, 100% man. He was hungry. And so the devil comes to him, now pay attention right here, at a weak moment in his physical life and, and begins to tempt him. Correct? Uh, how many times in that scenario did the devil tempt him? Three times. You know why three times? Because he failed the first and second. And that means this, he just doesn't go away because you say no the first time. Correct? But I want you to notice something about that temptation, which I believe is really uh, significant and something we can learn from. It had a common thread. It had a common thread. And the common thread was this. Now, pay attention right here. At the core of each one of those temptations, and you can read them for yourself, but at the core, don't miss this, at each one of those temptations was a lie. Every single temptation that you and I will face at the very core of that temptation, guys, pay attention to this, at the very core of that temptation is a lie. And if I can just summarize the lie, here it is. It comes in different fashions and it's dressed and masquerades in different ways. But at the core, Raji, is this, this will satisfy you. This will satisfy you. This will satisfy you. This will satisfy you. I'm not going to get into all the different ways in which we're tempted, in which ways, you know, you and I may know, but at the core of that temptation is a lie, and the lie is simply this. You have got to have this. You've got to have him. You have to ha you must have her. Fill in the blanks. But, th but it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. And what you find, Jesus' response, this is a wonderful truth. Go read it for yourself. But, but Jesus is being tempted. The first time, he's tempted to what? Turn stones into bread. The second time, he's tempted to cast himself uh, from, uh, from the temple. The third time, he's brought up to a high mountain, right? And the devil says to him, just worship me, and I'll give you all of this. Satisfy you with bread? Are you with me? Each time, Tony, study it out. You're a student. Each time Jesus responds to the temptation with the Word of God. He didn't say to him, get behind me, Satan. By the way, if that's what you're saying, why would you want him behind you? It's hard enough to deal with him when you can see him, let alone when you can't. Right? Don't get behind me. Get behind Bob. Don't get behind me. Uh, you know, no. So Jesus responds to each individual temptation with Scripture. So remember I said this. Pay attention right here. There's a common, there's a common thread in every temptation. At the core, there's a lie. Well, there's a common resource. Get this now. There's a common resource in responding and at the core, it's truth. So you respond to the lie with truth. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. 
Huh? So, in essence, flip it. You must replace the lie with truth. Hello? There you go. The key. No, 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 you went too far. There you go. The key, look here, the key to overcoming temptation is you must replace the lie with truth. And here's something interesting. Pay attention to this. Jesus, uh, the very first time he's tempted, the devil says to him, I know you're hungry. Why don't you just look here? You're God, right? Turn, turn those stones into bread. And you know what Jesus said? Word of God. He said, men shall not live by bread alone. But then when he takes him up into the mountain and says, man, all of this is yours. If you just, if you just bow down and worship me, guess what, guys? He didn't use the same Bible verse. You know why? Because he wasn't being tempted with bread. So guess what he says? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He uses a different Bible verse. Hello? And so, in essence, what happens there, and I'll talk a little bit more about that tonight, is this, that the Lord Jesus Christ has, of course, he is the Word of God, but he's got the Word of God so rooted in his life so that when the lie comes, he knows how to respond properly by replacing it with truth. And so, in essence, what you and I need to do is get, get ourselves more into the Scriptures. Don't you agree? We need to get more into the, into the Word of God. You know, listen, friend, you and I have got to understand the only way that we can combat a lie is by speaking the truth. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit of God to speak His truth into our lives. <laughs> Amen? Nothing like truth. Many times I'm asked to counsel with people. Uh, I'm looking back there at my, my, my buddy, uh, uh, Colin, and I know he enjoys counseling. But you know this, Colin. You really can't counsel people if they don't tell you the truth. And so as people say, Pastor, would you counsel with me? Sure. And in my, my just, you know, greet and meet, I always say this. Now, if I'm going to get something from God for you, you're going to have to tell me the truth. Because there's been many times I'm sitting there counseling with somebody, and I'll tell you what, I got nothing, Colin. I got nothing. And I'm saying to myself, boy, I must be disconnected, or this person's not telling me the truth. And guess where I usually lean? <laughs> this person's not telling me the truth. See, truth, truth, Jesus said this, you know, the truth will set you free, and you'll be free indeed. And so the only way that you and I can combat the temptations that come our way is by speaking truth. I was talking to my preacher friend who was here just the other day, Ted, uh, Brother Ted Ricci, and we were talking about a friend of his, a pastor, who um, succumbed to temptation. He, fe- he fell into sin, you know, uh, w- with a woman in his church. That's sad, isn't it? Isn't that sad? But I'll guarantee you this. Pay attention right here. I'll guarantee you, Andrew, he didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to ruin my life today. I'm going to cheat on my wife today. I'm going to ruin my family today. I'm going to upset my kids today like they've never been upset. No, he didn't wake up and say that. I'll tell you what he did. Little compromises, little, little conveniences, little lapse in faith. And before long, he started to tolerate what he never used to tolerate before. Huh? Hello? And you know what he did one day, Tyler? I bring this up because you're my assistant pastor. One day, he had a woman come in for counseling. Brother Ted was this guy's assistant pastor at the time. And, and Brother Ted said there was nobody else in the office but him. 
And this woman came in for counseling, and she wasn't dressed real nice. In fact, she was dressed like you might find her in some area of the city where we ought not be. And guess what he said? Pay attention right here. Guess what he said? He said to Brother Ted, he said, Brother Ted, you've been working hard all week. You can, you can just go home. And Brother Ted said, uh, but preacher, there's nobody else here. I know it, but go ahead home. And Brother Ted said, but preacher, I think I ought to stay. I got a lot of work to do. And the preacher said, no, you need to leave right now. Go home and get some rest. I promise you if Ted was telling the story, I promise you Ted would tell you that within about six weeks' time, he had to resign as the assistant pastor of that church. And the pastor is no longer in the ministry today. Are you with me? I can tell you stories of preacher friends of mine who succumb to things, money or women or why? I'll tell you why. They believed the lie and didn't replace it with the truth. So James gives us a summary. Right? Are you with me? But as we move on, he kind of he gives us this natural progression. I want you to see it. Look at, look at verse number 14 again. He says, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust, lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Right? Now, we could easily just, you know, kind of read over that, but there's a progression there that I think we ought to stop and give a little bit of attention to because it happens like that all the time. And in counseling, many times, I'll, I'll use this verse of Scripture, and I try to do my best to slow it down and illustrate it when I'm dealing with certain things that people are struggling with, sin, you know, or maybe, maybe it's immorality or whatever it might be. And I try to show it, slow it down and show them the progression of this in what each one of these words means. And so this morning, I've solicited the help. Probably shouldn't use that word. <laughs> this morning, I asked these young men to help me illustrate this great truth. And I, I want you to get this. Don't, just, don't let this just be another message that Pastor Nizzi's preaching. I guarantee you this. If you should one day fall into sin, it's going to be because of what I just showed you. You didn't heed the message of God's Word. Are you with me? Fellows, don't turn your signs, but join me if you would. This is Danny. Come on, Danny. And Douglas. And Clay. And John. And Will. Danny, all the way over if you would. And Douglas, that's good. And Clay, you can stay right here. Let's spread them out. Just so I want everybody to be able to see this. Don't show them your words, right? Good. So let's read this text again, okay? Look at it again. Verse number 14. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. Sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Correct? So now let me, let me put this in order because those words can get jumbled together and get a little convoluted. So let's put it in order. I believe what he's saying is, it all begins, it all begins with enticement. Danny, if you would, just go ahead and put that up. Can you see that, class? I don't want him to cover his face. He's such a good-looking kid, isn't he? <laughs> enticement. And under that, I put in parentheses the word attention. And so we could say this, before, before we are tempted, before we lust, before we sin, before there's death, something, something, I said something got our attention. Now, if you don't play along, I'll name call what gets your attention. 
something got our attention, right? If you're a gambler, anybody gamblers? I thought I'd catch you off guard. If you're a gambler, I don't know, all you got to do is go over the Walt Whitman Bridge. And what do you see? Carol, you, you're pretty good at this. <laughs> all you see is advertisement for casinos. So if you're a gambler, if you're a gambler, something has gotten your attention. Hello? You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Look here, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Because after you are enticed, then comes Douglas. Temptation. Hold up a little bit, Doug. Temptation. Temptation. And you see what I have there in in parentheses? Doug is going to come along and give you the opportunity to do what you've been enticed to do. Hello? Are you with me? So let's play this again. Let's say you're a gambler. Anybody change their mind? So, uh, something got your attention, right? And I mean, you, you can just, now, now you're, you know you're saved, you go to church, you got victory, right? Are you, are you with me? Huh? But you remember, what was your favorite game? A chocolate, what was it, poker or blackjack or <laughs> roulette? Well, I don't know. The one-armed bandits, you know, huh? Isn't it wonderful how when we come to church, we just hang so sanctified? And by the way, it may not be gambling. Maybe it's women. Maybe it's men. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's clothing. Maybe it's the pride of life. Huh? I just need to bring you back into reality here today. Got my attention. So now, guess what happens? Somewhere along the line, there's going to come an opportunity. Right? So, I I use this illustration often. In counseling. So I, I used to gamble. I'm a gambler. I'm coming. I'm just driving to work. I get up, get dressed, shower, get dressed, and walk out the door in my car, driving over the bridge. I see that, and all of a sudden got my attention. And then I begin to think about when I used to uh, go to the casino and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking about it. Now I'm not driving to the casino, I'm going to work. But Tony, as soon as I get to work, I sit behind my desk, my phone rings, and guess who it is? It's Bob Fenton. Hey, guess where we're going tonight? Me, Will, Bob Smith, James Kima, Steve Beppel's driving. We're going to the casino. <laughs> Trying to mind my own business. I'm sitting behind my desk. What happened? What happened? Opportunity showed up. Temptation. Huh? Did I sin yet? I'm sitting behind my desk. But something got my attention. And now... I have an opportunity, and I say, what? No, Bob, I can't do that. Tell the other guys, go ahead. Tell Bob Smith not to use under the offering, but go ahead. (laughs) And I hang up on him. But now, guess what happens? Guess what shows up? Go ahead, Clay. Hold it up nice and high. Guess what shows up? Lust. And I put in parentheses, desire craving, I could have put longing, consuming, lust. Now I'm sitting at my desk, I'm trying to build a message for Sunday morning, and all I'm thinking about is slot machines. Hello, are you with me? 
Well, you don't think that happens? Huh? You don't think that happens? You're not, you're not careful? Let me, let me pick on the ladies just for a second. You're at work, and your husband hasn't told you in a long time that you really look good. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody who works in the office comes over and says, did you get a haircut? Your hair looks so good. Man, you look good. Is that a new dress? Is that a... And guess what happens? Somebody's stroking you. I had a pastor friend of mine, pastor friend of mine, pastoring a church real close to me a number of years ago, did a funeral for a, a, a woman's mother. Sat in the house after the funeral. She was about 30. He was about 35. She began to say some things to him that he liked to hear. On the way out the door, she gave him a little kiss on the cheek. He liked that too. Asked him to come back for counseling the next week. And guess what? He went back. Nobody else in the house but him and that girl. And this time she didn't kiss him on the cheek. She kissed him on the lips. And a few months later, his wife was calling me up at 1.30 in the morning, bawling, crying. A pastor of a church, bawling, crying, saying that her husband just came in and, and admitted to having an affair with this girl. Are you, are you with me? Attention, opportunity, desire, craving, lust. And what happens? Go ahead, John. Sin. Sin is the act or the action. So here I am, going to work, got my, got my attention, I get a phone call, here's an opportunity. I begin to think about it all day. You know what I do? I pick up the, Bob, what time are you going? <laughs> Tell Steve to pick me up. It's the act. Or the action. Now let's read this. Look at it again. Verse 14. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth, go ahead, Will. Death. 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 Now wait a second. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean I'm driving to work. I see this, got my attention. I get a phone call. I start the desire. And now I say to Bob, pick it up a little bit, John. I say to Bob, man, let's go. And before I leave my office, I die. Huh? I, I'll be honest with you. If this really were me, I might get struck dead before I walk out that door. I might because of all the influence that I've carried for the last 35 years of my ministry, Tyler. Of all the people that trust me and depend on me. My dear wife and my children and my grandchildren, I might die. But normally, God would probably let me go. And, but guess what happens? Death doesn't mean dying. It means separation. And so, Raji, as soon as I go down that line, my fellowship with God has been broken. Huh? Are you with me real good? If you find out, my fellowship with you will be broken. And I hope, honestly, I hope you fire the deacons. Because they're the ones that got me into this mess to begin with. <laughs> the devil didn't make me do it, but them deacons sure did. Huh? Amen? So, what do we do here? What do we do here? Look at this Bible verse. Go ahead and flip it, guys. Galatians. Galatians 5.16. Look at that Bible verse. This I say then... Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. Huh? 
You remember I said this a moment ago, all I did, I got up, I got showered, I got dressed, went to work. You know what I should have done? Should have got up, read my Bible, had some prayer, and prepared myself for this scenario because it's out there every day. It's out there every day. It's out there every day. Where's all the teenagers? Stand up. All teenagers, stand up. Come on, stand up, boy, girl, all teenagers. It's out there every day. Don't you think for a second the devil doesn't want you. He probably wants you more than he wants me. It's out there every day. See that little girl that winks at you, Frank? See that little boy, Addy, that, that writes you that little note? Huh? Remember this. She's the devil. He's the devil. They're bad. They're bad. Can't trust them. Nothing good about them. You can be seated. Hello? Are you with me? Look here. We, got it. We, got, we, we just have to realize this is as real as could be. It's as real as could be. Amen? Hey, would you thank these guys? Didn't they do a great job? Thanks, guys. You can be seated. Amen. So, you know what I need to do now? I need to take these guys out for pizza. Don't you agree? I mean, they worked hard this morning. Just don't, let, don't get around the deacons. But I'll take you out for pizza. We'll go out for pizza? We'll make a date, okay? All right? I'll get some money off Bob Smith and we'll go for pizza? Sounds good. See how that works? Huh? Now listen carefully. Let me summarize this because we've got to close up. I'll pick, I promise you I'll pick it back up tonight. I hope you come back tonight and, and get on this. Uh, God allows temptation to come our way to reveal our weaknesses, right? You, you can do a number of case studies in the Bible, number of case studies, you know. In fact, here's one you may not think goes along with this, but it does. Do a case study on Job, right? In the very beginning, God says this about Job. God says to the devil in dialogue, have you considered my servant Job? I mean, the devil appears with all the angels giving a report. He says, I've been to the east and to the west, to the north and to the south. I've been everywhere. And the Lord says, but have you considered Job? Because he's somebody that loves me and he, he fears me and, and, and he hates evil. And you know what the devil said, Brian? The devil said, yeah, I've considered him, but you put a hedge about his life. I can't touch him. It's always good to live in obedience to God. And you know what the Lord said? The Lord said, all right, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll drop that hedge, and I'll let you at him. Because here's what the de- devil said. The devil said, you put a hedge about He said, you remove that hedge, and Job will curse you to your face. You know what the devil was saying, Craig? The only reason Job serves you is because of the blessings you put on his life. He doesn't love you for naught. Hello? Sad thing, sad thing, sad thing. My cousin Ed Baker, sad thing, Ed, is for some... That's, that's true. The only reason we're in this is because we get to go to heaven, and I don't want bad things to happen to me. So what the devil does say sometimes is true about us, but it wasn't true of Job. <laughs> huh? Devil comes and knocks him off his course. I mean, takes away everything that he had. All of a sudden, three of his best friends come, friends like that. Who needs enemies? Right? And Job maintains his integrity, and to the point 
where now he's becoming prideful. Are you with me? Huh? And you read all the way down chapter number one through chapter 30, all of a sudden God speaks up and says, Joe, I've about had, I'm, I'm tired of listening to you. Good grief, you might think you're God. We ought to worship you. <laughs> and in chapter number 41, 42, Job learns his lesson. And here's what he says. He says to the Lord, I've worshiped you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth you. And you know what he does, Donald? He falls down, and in sackcloth and ashes, he repents of his sin. So that trial, that temptation, <laughs> was a case study of revealing weaknesses. And Job finally gets to the place where it's no longer just hearing, but now I see. See, you've not gotten close to God until you've operated based upon seeing. I see what God is doing in my life. And you know what happens? In the end, Job has what? Ten times more than he had in the beginning. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't that a great truth? And that's what God wants to do for you and I. Huh? You know what the devil wants to do? John 10, verse number 10. Look at it. Devil wants to, look, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Devil wants to destroy us. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That's what the Lord, he wants to not just give you life, breathe. He wants to give it to you more abundantly. Hello? That's where you walk around, you got to pinch yourself and say, all this in heaven too? But remember this, at the core of every temptation is a lie. Oh man, that cigarette, it's going to taste so good after that meal. That little cocktail, that bottle of beer. Huh? That little bit of... I tell you, you, you don't know what you're missing. Replace that lie with truth, and you'll be able to overcome. Amen? Amen? We'll talk a little bit more about this in the evening service if you come back. If not, you can, you can get it. I'll hold it offline for about three weeks just to tempt you. <laughs> just tease. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you that we get a chance here at Open Bible to open it and learn it and then apply it and practice it in our daily lives. Lord, when it comes to temptation, we know how real it is. We've all been tempted, and sad to say, some of us have, have fallen short. We're thankful for forgiveness. We're thankful that 1 John 1, 9 is still in the Bible, that if we confess our sin, you're faithful, you're just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you for that. But Lord, it would be much better if we just prepared ourselves and didn't take that, that uh, step towards sin. I know you told us in 1 John 2, in verse number 1, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And so we have, we have an opportunity to know your word, trust your word, apply your word, obey your word, and not sin. And so help us, I pray, especially these young people here this morning, to take this truth into consideration, apply it in their lives. And Lord, we'll thank you. Father, I think of those who are here this morning who may not have yet come to a saving knowledge. And if they were to die today, Lord, they might be eternally lost. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for them. I know how much you love them. And I would pray today that you'd work in their minds and hearts and cause them to see there's something missing, and maybe it's Jesus. 
as they would, we'd like to pray for them and talk with them and share the gospel with them. And maybe not even today, maybe this week, maybe they'll call us or contact us or just stick around after the service. We'd be happy to talk to them about Jesus. And for others who need to make important decisions for baptism or church membership or church service or involvement, whatever it is, may today be that day where that gets accomplished. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake and amen. Let's stand together. Again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.